this episode is with one of my favorite people. And it's because for years and years and years, Anita's been taking care of the men of the world in a very unique way. And something shifted and she realized that we needed her too. So Anita has come over to the woman's side of the world and she's gonna teach us something we all need to know how to do a little better, which is get a man to listen to us. So hang on, the ride's gonna be really interesting from here. All right, pop on in, Anita, come into the studio. There you are, I love the purple. <laughs> Thank you, good to see you, Jackie. It's good to see you too. <laughs> Anita, welcome to the studio. I am so excited to see you here. And we have a lot to share with everyone. You're about to solve the mystery of the ages. I don't know of a woman alive who is not um, curious about how do we, let's face it, how do we get heard? How do we get men to listen? Yeah, I mean, it's bad enough with our kids, but I don't know, there's something about men and who, mm, yeah. All right, so you're gonna give us lots of help, but take us into the world according to Anita. You are so cute. Well, I've worked with over 50,000 men for the last 40 plus years, and I've gotten to know men so well. Um, I used to have a men's uh, clothing store for 36 years, and the men would sit and talk to me for hours if it was slow in the store and tell me everything I didn't even want to know <laughs> sometimes, but just to let me have the insight on how they think and how they feel and what's important to them. And in addition to that, before I started coaching men, I, I did hundreds and hundreds of surveys to find out what men think and feel. And, and so I feel like I'm an expert on men. And then I have a number of coaches that had been saying to me for some time, why do you not want to coach women? And I said, well, my expertise are men. And then our dear friend, Kim Serafini with Positive Prime said, coach women on how to speak the way men listen, because you know what men think and feel. So you could break the code, if you will, and help them. And, and there is so much science behind it. And there's a lot of sociology behind it in the, in the different ways that they're brought up. And of course, you can't say all men are the same or all women are the same, but there's, there's enough science and enough facts that there are very standard things. Like, um, for instance, I love this. A friend of mine gave me a dish towel many years ago that said, when a woman says, leave me alone, she really means I need a hug. Now, how the heck is a man supposed to figure that out? I mean, we speak oftentimes in hints and clues and long dissertations. And men, I, you, you and I are old enough to remember Dragnet, that old show where it was just the facts, ma'am, just the facts, ma'am. But that was a great show. And it, it talked about how the dragnet guy just wanted just the facts. He didn't want all the backstory, all the stuff. And we tend to feel that people need more information. Men need more information than they do. And the thing about men is that if they want more information, they'll ask you. And they prefer to get it in short snippet things, get to the point and do that. So whoa. We <laughs> whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to pause you and then I'm going to slow you down. And we're going to back up and unpack some of that. Okay. That was like a fire hose. Okay. So 
Uh, wow. All right. Just, just even that last little piece. Who knew that watching Dragnet was a lesson in how to talk to a man? They could have gotten a lot more audience share if they had just called it how to talk to a man. Yeah. The power of this, men want information in short snippets, a little at a time. Okay. That's very, very different than um, giving somebody all the information all at once. So how painful of a journey was it for you to learn how to do that? It, it was a long journey because um, I got it myself just little by little by little after you hear it over and over again that men would say, I wish this or I wish this or I'd love it if my wife or my daughter or my girlfriend, you know, spoke this way or employees or their boss, whatever the situation. And, and it's really, really interesting because a lot of the, there's the difference between the way our brains, women's brains and men's brains process things. So there is a real physiological difference in that. And I won't go into all the boring brain science, but then there's also sociology behind it and the way that women bond with rapport and rapport for women means lots of words. Men normally bond with status. They don't often like that word status. They like respect and relevance, but that's the most important thing in the world to most men. They would die, literally die for respect and to, and to feel that respect and relevance. So it's really that much more important to them. It's important to us, but not at the same level it is to them. And so it, it, there's a huge difference there in the way we process. Okay. So if men are looking for respect and relevance, and so that's what they're going to be listening for, what are women looking for? Did you women, say yeah. yeah, women want rapport and they get that from words. Women want to be heard. Women want to be understood um, and listened to. And they will be one, with men once they learn how to speak the way men want to hear it. And I know it seems like maybe unfair that <laughs> women need to learn it, the men, but we're capable of doing that. And I believe in win-win situations. And when the woman wins, the man wins. And when the man wins, the woman can win if if she knows how to do it. And women have the incredible ability to get everything they want in their lives once they learn to speak to be understood to be heard and that's what we want we want to be felt and understood but we have expectations oftentimes that are not realistic and the very best relationships in the world man and woman relationships start with zero expectations which sounds like well that's not possible but when you go in with an attitude of gratitude and you're just grateful for each and everything. Time out. <laughs> yeah. Pause again. Whoa, we got to go back now about two paragraphs and unpack some of this. Oh, yeah. This is some amazing stuff. The idea that women can learn to speak how men listen. It's like going to a foreign country and learning the language so you can at least order dinner in a restaurant. You know, it's, it's, it makes perfect logical sense, and yet we weren't taught how to do that because other than the whole John Gray, men from Mars, women from Venus, there's, 
not a lot that's been popular as far as helping bridge the communication gap. And you're right, it doesn't seem fair that it's all on the women to, to do the learning of this. However, women are the one being shortchanged by the way it is right now. I mean, granted, so are men, because you said something that I have to just like, whoa, yeah, I'm a woman of a certain age. I didn't realize that I had inherited some beliefs about how communication with a man was supposed to work until the day I was so angry at my guy. And the good news for me is I was helping one of my students, so they were practicing on me. And in the middle of a session, I started laughing like crazy because I realized I was so mad at Mark because he was supposed to be able to read my mind. And talk about unfair when I had inherited this belief, I had inherited this behavior. So now nobody was winning in the way that communication was taught before. If we break it down for everybody and go, okay, women, Men, here are the facts. What's, other than breaking down what we say into short pieces, Anita, what's the next fact that women need to know and maybe men need to hear? I, I think the first and most important thing when a woman is speaking to a man, take a deep breath and think about what, you re, what the, are the results that you'd like to have from this conversation. So go in with a plan in mind of what you'd like the conversation to go with. Get down to the authentic facts and what you, what you need to say or what you need to hear, or what you need to explain. Do it in the shortest and most effective and efficient way possible. Be authentic. Okay, let's, stop. let's pause and give an example of each one of these. Because what just came to my mind is like, if I'm going to ask him to take out the trash, I don't need to tell him about how stinky it is or what the problem, I don't have to go into the details. It's take out the trash now. <laughs> yeah. Or, but nicer. Right. But right. Like four words that men do not ever want to hear is we need to talk. <laughs> four most four of the most um, threatening words because um, there's no such thing as multitasking though we women think there is it's switch tasking but we do it so quickly that it appears to be multitasking men don't switch as quickly as we do so if you say we need to talk that signals a man number one that it's going to be negative number two that he's going to need to think and feel at the same time and that puts him into panic mode. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but they, they start going, oh my goodness, I can't do both of those at the same time. So it's doing, so when you're talking about taking out the trash, there's so many easy things and nice things to do. And I'm, I'm gonna backtrack and give this one little thing because communication, which we're talking about women speaking to men and being understood so that they can get everything they want in their life and the men do as well but your words are only 7% of your communications mm -hmm. with a man. Your words are 7%. The tone of your voice, the speed of your voice, that's 38%. And 55% of the communication is in your body language, your physiology and how, how you do it. And 
an example of this is that if my if I say, how do I look to my husband? We've been married 49 years in August, so a long time. If I say, how do I look? And he, he knows better than to do this, but he, he used to say, you look fine. Fine's what you say to your grandma. I don't want to look fine. Now, if he says, you look fine, that's different. So <laughs> it's not just the word. It's how it's said and what his body language is. Did he look at me? Did he engage me? So there's three different you know, ways to look at how to communicate with anyone. So being really kind and clear and watching all three of those things, your, your words, your tone, and your speed of how you're talking, um, and your body language, your physiology, those things make a huge difference. And... Uh, and it, you know what, it's not just that. It's oftentimes the relationship that the two people have and how they take each other. When they know where the other person's heart is, you can get away with doing things not as correctly because the other person can interpret it once they know you well enough to know that you didn't mean to snap at them, that you were just under a lot of pressure. So my husband and I, have after almost 49 years, he, he gets me and he knows that if I do go, if I do get in a hurry and go, Jim, I need you to do this, that it's not about me criticizing him or doing anything. It's that I'm in a panic mode myself. And so he understands it. So understanding one another is certainly important, but that takes a lot of time. So before the understanding is in place, don't we have to give them context? Oh, Absolutely but in a very minimal way say uh -huh. um okay let's say um okay if you want to talk to your husband first of all timing is really important your husband your boyfriend your son oh my goodness i some of the things i hear with mothers and sons and the women that i coach now it's ridiculous the way their teenagers sons you know roll their eyes at them think that they're worthless but that can change when they learn how to speak to even those people so context is important but to say to timing, let's go to timing first, because um, do you remember Rob Becker defending the caveman comedian? He was hysterical. And he used to talk about how man does not watch TV. Man becomes the TV. So timing of knowing when the best time is to, is to, to get your best results, the timing is very important. And instead of saying, um, we need to talk, say, honey, do you have your, have a second? I need your input on something. That's very non-threatening. And that relaxes the man. So he doesn't feel like he's going to be attacked because oftentimes we do have this attack mode that we do. The longer we get to know someone, a, a spouse or a husband or a boyfriend or whatever, Sometimes the more we take advantage of things and don't take the time to, to slow down. And I, my husband, I don't do this anymore. I don't have the patience to do this. But when we were first married, I'll never forget how I'd say, oh, honey, this sink is broken. Can you fix it? And he, they want to be the hero. And he'd say, oh, I, I don't think so. We're probably going to have to have a plumber. But he'd come in and fix it to be the hero. So I found that the way to get him to do things quicker would be to say, oh, the sink is broken. I'm going to have to call a plumber. And it would be da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> and he'd come in and go, here, I'll fix it. Men want to fix things. But oftentimes when a woman is talking to a man, she doesn't want him to fix anything. So it's important when you're talking about context to say, 
I need your input. Do you have a second? I need your input on this. I don't want you to fix it, but I'd love your input on it. Let them know you don't want them to fix it because that's um, their nature. Okay, there we go. Because I got into some real challenges with my second husband on this idea of asking for his input. Um, because if he gave me input and I didn't do what his suggestion was, we had drama. Yep. Um, he, he, you know, and it was like, I asked for input. I didn't ask you to solve it. I didn't dawn on me to give him that disclaimer up front. Yes. When okay. you're talking about context a minute ago, yeah. that's part of that. And it's very important because they, they're very highly insulted if you don't do what they saw could easily fix a situation. So it's important to let them know why and that you don't need them to fix it. And I'm going to just back that truck up just a touch. It's what they perceive would easily fix it. It's their opinion. It's not the truth in my world. Well, in anyone's world, everyone has perception. And his perception is his reality. Your perception is your reality. So it's the same. We are the same when it comes to that. Perception is everything. You can't say something is good or something is bad. It's your perception because nothing is actually good or bad unless you name it. Okay. So now you're working with all of these men. I, I have to ask, this is like an elephant in the room question. What did your guy, your husband of 49 years now, but what was he thinking while you were out working with all of these men? You know what? He's the most secure man on the planet. Never, ever gave it a thought. Thinks it's awesome. Loves that men ask my opinions of things. Love that I get respect for men. Love that. And I tell, I share every, not everything that, not personal things that men have told me that they wouldn't want told, but my husband's great about all of that. And, you know, he loves the things that I'll share that I tell him that men think and feel. And I will oftentimes say, it never occurred to me that you might feel this way because I was learning and he'd say, yeah. So he, he saw it as an advantage because I understood him better through the process of working with so many men. Oh, there you go. That, that's uh, that's a, that would be a huge advantage. I'm it glad that, that he saw that. So thank you. I just wanted to clean that up from our brain. All right. So we talked about results having, if a woman wants to have a conversation with a man, she needs to know what outcome she wants from the talk because men are outcome driven. Is that what I'm kind of getting? Yes. Okay, so it's not like we're gonna talk about it and not do something. For most men, they, they want some, there to be something that gets done or something at the end of, so that's important. But for sometimes, I just wanna talk things out. I don't necessarily want to have a result other than just to be able to talk something out. Find a girlfriend. <laughs> that is not, when a man is in, it's not that they're not capable of doing that. It's not their favorite thing to do. Now, I can't, once again, I can't speak for all men. There are exceptions. There are women. I, I think and act a lot more like a man in my thinking because I've worked with so many men. So I get it. I get them so well. And, but there are men that think a lot more like women and, and vice versa. So um, it really is, for the most part, they don't 
want a lot of that. Now, when in early, and this is what causes so many problems in relationships is early in a relationship, the man is wanting to perform so badly that he's going to try to second guess everything the woman wants. And if she wants more of that intimate conversation, he's going to do everything he can to do that. But wait, 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 wait. You just said something really amazing. And I want to pause it because you just said that early on in a relationship, a man is trying to second guess and anticipate what a woman wants. They're actually trying to read our minds at the beginning of a relationship. They are trying, but it's such a strain, probably gives them headaches because they're trying to figure it out because we send so many mixed signals and do so many things that are hints that they aren't oftentimes capable of picking up on other, I don't mean capable. It's well, just no, my, they, my they, point was the fact that their behavior changes. It does change. We, get, so used, we get used to, I don't care why it changes. We get used to them trying to read our minds, trying to anticipate what you call second guessing. They have trained us to expect that behavior from them and then they stop. They take it away. It's like changing the rules of the game. It wears them out. Well, I feel sorry for them, but guess what? <laughs> you know, um, it's like we're being set up to be unhappy in the relationship. And I know they're not doing it intentionally. They're they not doing it intentionally. And that's why I say going in without expectations forms the best relationships. On the other hand, and I, I play devil's advocate, and I can say things because I'm a woman and I know how women think. I certainly have enough hundreds of girlfriends over the years, and I know how we think too. And oftentimes, once we think we have the man, not that they don't have us, but once we feel like we have the man of our dreams, we start finding reasons to change them. We ju it's just in our nature to say, you know, if he just took out the trash a little better or he did this. So yes, they change the rules of the game, but theirs is changing it by default because they're worn out. We're changing it because we're like, okay, now I have him. I'm going to make him perfect just like I want him to be. Oh, wait a minute. That's also by default. I'm, I'm not saying that you can't lay that, that women are doing this intentionally. This is how the human brain works. Once the all the chemicals start to settle out after we are not in love, yeah, then the chemicals start to settle out and we start to perceive things that are not quite perfect, even though they were perfect before. Um, by the way, they, have you seen that play? The great play. I love you. You're perfect. Now change. <laughs> exactly. No, I have not, but I can, I can read between the lines and, and figure it out. And, and it really is. And so I can look at relationships, thanks to Kim and telling me how she thought I could be helpful to women and now have been coaching women for some time. I'm telling you, I love it because I can just, it's, it's like, I was trained and most of my coaching has been trained to, to do evocative type coaching, but you know what? That takes a lot of time. What is evocative? evocative coaching is where I'm trying to help you figure out what, what you need, oh, to, do, yeah. what you need to do. And that's, that's the that way my, that is such a waste of time. I shouldn't say that because I love my it coaching. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. And if I can listen to what a woman says and what she tells me, he said, and, and by the way, this is a little off thing, but there are, an average of 19 irreconcilable differences in the best of relationships. Things, 19 things on average. 
that you want to change about the man or he wants to change about you that he realizes they're not going to change and you realize they're not going to change and you've decided to accept them. So knowing that is really powerful and going into that. So just as a, as a side note, but it is when I'm listening to what, and, and like I have one particular gal I'm coaching right now that, oh my goodness, I could just see things in two seconds and say, you know what? She'd say something about him doing something. I go, but tell me what you said before. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, no wonder he said that. And telling her, explaining to her what thoughts were going in his mind and how he just took, probably just took what she said and why he got upset about it. And it's changed the way she's saying things because it never occurred to her. None of us are mean or trying to hurt one another. We aren't. But when you listen to how people communicate, I just feel like going in. I, I think I should have been a mediator. You people tell me my whole life I should have been a mediator because I can just hear the things that are going on. Go, oh, my goodness. If you just had said this, change these three words in your tone a little bit right here. And if he had and you had, and your timing had been better and you made it more concise. Oh, my God. You would have gotten everything you want. So my, my ultimate goal in coaching women is to help them get everything they want in their lives. And so I'm really on the side of the women in that thing, but in helping them, I'm also helping the men. So it really works both ways. My coaching men helps them understand women as well. But, but now my, my uh, newest thing in the last year has been coaching the women. Well, so. I am delighted that you came over on our side because <laughs> we need all the help we can get. When it comes to talking to a man so that a man will listen, these are the skill sets that could not be passed down from mother to daughter because the mothers didn't know. No. And men don't think they're a mystery, so they can't tell us. Oh. Yeah? And they really are. But I want to come back to timing for just a second because you alluded to it. And I want to be really precise about it. This concept that a man becomes the television, mm -hmm. which means that if he is into something, wait for a commercial break or for him to take a, a break is what I got from that. Did I get it? Yes, it, it, it does take time and effort to do that because I like immediate gratification. I think most of us do. So when I want to know the answer to something, I want to know it now. And you certainly can just barge in and interrupt them if it's important. However, for your best results to get their full attention, because there's one of the surveys I did with women was how many women feel like men don't listen to them? 100% feel that way, that men don't, 100%. I didn't have, I had one, this is funny, true story. One person responded when I was saying, what are the, uh, with, before I was doing my first webinar recently, and I said, what are your biggest challenges with men and communicating with men? And I had a lady that responded to me. She was actually on my webinar and she said, I don't have any issues in communicating with men at all or any challenges, but I want to be on your webinar. It sounds interesting. And I thought, well, that's not possible. It's not possible. It's not humanly possible to not have challenges and stuff. So I texted her. I said, that's great to hear. I'm glad you'll be on the webinar anyway. And she texted me back. And she said, I live in a convent. Yeah. 
And she really does. She is, she is a nun. And I thought, how funny is that? So she doesn't really have much contact with men. <laughs> so it really was an interesting thing because it it's not it's not possible. And and back from, you know, and there's a difference in the way we do, you know, and having my store that I had forever. I also had a women's store. I had the men's store for 36 years, but I had the women's store for less time, but very, very successful women's store. And in Rob Becker, Defending the Caveman, was he was the longest um, single man show and on Broadway. And he talked about how men are hunters and women are gatherers. And I saw this in my store because he, he did this skit. I saw it many, many years ago. And he said, when a man goes in a store, he goes, me came to kill a suit, me kill a suit, me get out of here. And that's the way men think when a woman would go into a store. And once again, not all men, not all women. But when the woman would go into the store, she's like, oh, I need to gather all the information. I need to touch and see and feel and try on a lot of things in here. I need sensory thing. I need when I talked about rapport with people, you need the rapport with the things, with the items and to build that relationship with them. Oftentimes to not even buy anything, but for somewhat therapy, oftentimes, especially women that didn't work. I'd see that happen sometimes. Uh, but men would come in and hunt and kill something and get out. Women would gather, gather, gather information. So it was it was an interesting thing just in the way we shop and the differences in the way we process that. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And there's so much that that's all about just understanding it. And this one woman that I, I'm coaching, well, I, I finished one coaching session with her, she, or one six-week program with her. She wants to attack some other issues right now. So I'm working with her again. But she was talking about how she was about to get a divorce when we first started working together. And she said, I asked her, she'd put that off until we did our little six-week thing. And she said, okay, right before our fifth week call she got on the phone and she i mean we were zooming and she was crying and she said guess what my husband said to me yesterday and i said what she said after 22 years you finally get me and it made her feel so good to have him notice that she gets him her boss all of a sudden gave her the lead as a project manager. They'd never done that for a while. They'd never given a woman at that company project lead. So she got a promotion, project lead, uh, a raise. This all happened like in four weeks, just from making little switches and changes. But she said her biggest gift of all of this was that her 17-year-old son had not had two words to say to her in the last couple of years. He wouldn't mostly just roll her eye, his eyes at her like she was useless and didn't know anything. And now all of a sudden her son is saying, mom, I need your advice on something. Mom, I'd like your opinion on something. She said, that's the biggest gift of all. And by the way, they're renewing their vows and not getting a divorce. She and her husband, not her son. <laughs> but so it's amazing how when you change these little shifts and it's not a lot of work, and no, it's not really fair. Nothing in life, no one's ever said life huh. is fair. But it's not fair that we have to put a little more effort into it. But we're also more sensitive and more capable of all the little nuances that you change than, than most men are. 
Well, in my household growing up, fair was considered a four-letter word that started with F, and my children were not allowed to use it. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I agree with you there. The, the reality is that simple things make a huge difference in this arena is what I'm getting from you, that it's not like super, super hard. What I'm wondering, though, is, is it fair for women to start doing these changes and getting what they want without telling the man what's going on? It's, it's more than fair because by doing this, yes, the woman gets what she wants, but the man is in heaven getting what he wants as well. It unclutters his life, unstresses his life in such a beautiful way. The men, I have heard from men whose women I have coached because I have men that I coach that switch me over to coaching their wives and said, will you coach my wife too? So it's all, so I know a lot of couples. I have done some couples work as well, which is just crazy, easy and wonderful when they're like, how'd you figure that out? It's like, they think I'm really smart. I'm not, I've just learned this. Well, I've done a lot of studying and a lot of coaching and a lot of, I have a lot of work I've put into this, but also just a lot of real life experiences in it. But the men are so happy when they, they look at like the woman that got the project lead. She said, her boss said, there's just something that's changed about you. I love the way you looked at this. And I love the way you communicated that. He didn't realize she'd done it, but he loved the way she presented it. Mm -hmm. Instead of just verbally vomiting on him like she had done in the past, she told me and said, well, I think we should do this because this, this, and this. Instead of doing that, she said, um, I'd love to share my plan with you. Do you have a second? I think if we did this, 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 and this, it would give us this, 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 and this. What do you think? He was like, whoa. Because she'd never talked to him like that. But that's why no woman had ever gotten project leads because they didn't communicate in a way that was easy for the man to do it. I mean, Harvard Business Review has talked about how women can often be perceived in the workplace to be inferior when they're not, just by perception of communication. And they can be very superior, but they can also be threatening, you know, to the men. If it's too many words and the man feels like he can't keep up with them, then that's threatening. Okay, so that's really important. In a workplace scenario, more is not better when it comes to communicating. Less is more. Okay, so, so le less is more effective. You know? Yes. I'm, I'm starting to get this. Less, fewer words is more effective. Okay, so if fewer words are more effective, um, I really have a much more pre much I have a more appreciative attitude of your comment earlier where when I said if I need to talk something out and you said go find a girlfriend. <laughs> uh, now I'm starting to understand why that would be such valuable advice for a woman that we need to sort out what kind of communication we want to have. And maybe my guy, he might be my best friend, but he may not be the best processing partner. And that's proven to be true. I kind of stumbled on, tripped over, bloodied my knees, and you know, have some scars trying to figure that one out. 
So I love the fact that you have it so simple for everyone that it's just, what's the result that you're looking for? What's the timing? I wrote down context and deliver the context quickly so that you're on the same page. Um, and there was a comment in the chat that somebody, the guy said, a steak and a baked potato, and you get me 40 minutes of my time. <laughs> yeah. And, and so there's, there's a lot of chatter going on, which I really, really, really love this whole thing about what really works for men. I mean, because 40 minutes of my guy's time is not necessarily the same thing as 40 minutes of his attention. Not he at all. Physically present and I can tell he's not, you know, paying attention. Once they've heard what they think is the crux of what you want to tell, they shut down. And it's not because it's you. It's that, okay, I got the information I need. I have what I need. And so everything else is just fluff in their opinion. And the fact is, it, your most important thing you wanted to get across might be toward the end of what your dissertation is. You lost that opportunity. So that to him because so this reordering of how we of the information. Yes. Yeah, getting to the point. If he's open to more conversation, you'll know it, sense it out, feel it out. And maybe he does want to talk more about things. Maybe he has more input and more, and maybe he has more ideas for you to help you with whatever your challenge is, if you have one, or whatever you're wanting to talk out. Um, okay, but that's really, really important. That, yeah, that's really important. All right, so um, I love this concept that it could be so simple. Um, you know, in the, in writing school, they say, don't bury the lead. Don't, don't hide the headline. Don't hide the important piece of information. I hadn't thought about applying that to a conversation with my guy. Yeah. No, I love that. I, I had, I have heard that, but it's been so long ago. I'd forgotten it, but I love that. Don't bury the lead. I have to use that. May I borrow that? I, <laughs> I didn't create it. Um, <laughs> I got it out of a marketing book. Yeah. Um, because the exercise for students was, here's all the information. Um, the, there's a board meeting, all the teachers and the principals, everybody's going to have to attend on next Thursday, write an article about this for the, you know, and give it a headline. And that was the writing assignment. And the kids wrote, you know, these, these things about how important this was and whatever. And, and, he, and when he got all these papers back, he says, not one of you got the headline right. And they're like, what, what, what? Yeah, the, the headline was, school will be closed on Thursday. You know, what's important to your audience? What's the headline? And for me talking to my guy, this is a, an interesting thing. Okay, how am I gonna remember to do this? You're going to breathe. <gasps> I can do that. I think taking a deep breath, giving some thought, to what you're going to say and what you want your outcome to be, being authentic, efficient. You know, go go back to being the, the editor or writing something. Go back to doing that and edit yourself. I think that's a, a great analogy you just brought up. And don't bury the lead. Think about what you're wanting the outcome to be, what the most efficient way is that you can present it in a kind way. Pay attention to your words to your physiology and to your tone. 
of how you do it. Um, okay, so that's the one I didn't write down, the how to deliver. All right, so it's tone, body language, rate of speed, all of those things are the how to deliver pieces right. of it. Right. So basically, just think about it, how it's going to come across. Are you coming across in a kind, caring way, whether it's a work environment or a personal environment? It doesn't matter. It's all the same in the sense that it should come from a sense of gratitude to just be where you are, looking at everything. Um, I talk about a lot of this because appreciating whoever you're about to talk about. Like if you can change your mindset about that person, let's say you're about to go talk to a client that you don't like. He's been a pain and you don't even want to deal with him. And, and I, I, I'm still a personal stylist for men. So I've been doing that for a hundred years now, but so I still work with a lot of men on that, on the, the clothing level of it. And there are some that are challenged. There are some men that decide that there's going to be a problem before anything even happens. I mean, so I know that going in once I figured them out, I say a little blessing and a little prayer before I have a conversation with anyone. I say just a, a two second breath prayer to, help me have the right words and the right attitude. So I'm conscious about my mindset toward that person. And I'm thinking, this is going to be a beautiful outcome. He's going to love where I'm coming from. And this is going to work well. And, and I'm not saying I do that 100% of the time, because sometimes I'm just not in the mood. Sometimes I think I want things to turn out badly, because I'm just in the mood for, for that. But when I do take the time to do that, Everything in that conversation, it, it's disarming. Like I was talking about, about Dieterell's smile, that has a huge impact when you go in with a genuine smile and you're really being a caring human being. You cannot, if you're coming from a state of gratitude and joy within yourself of who you are as a human being, you can't be angry. You can't be both. You can't have two, those two things happening at the same time. So when you're focusing on who you are and being your best and giving your best, and you know my other my signature uh, talk that I do is about comparing yourself to others is losing before you start. These two things actually work together because it's about being your best. And the way you communicate with a man is helping you become your best and he will appreciate it so much more and he will give you his best more often than not. So it, it works okay. majestically. That was beautifully said. The ability to get intentional and be aware of bringing my best self to every conversation with my guy gives me a chance to practice being my best self. I mean, what's so bad about that? You know, there's nothing I can imagine that would be more useful to me than to actually have a conscious practice of showing up as my best self in my conversations with the person who's the most important in my life next to me. So I'm starting to understand the value of this from the man's point of view, because we are 
not taught this growing up, Anita. I mean, we're not taught how to start a conversation, how to be in a conversation. We, we aren't taught any of it. We just catch it from what our parents do. And my parents, unlike you and your husband, my parents split up when I was in kindergarten. It's not an example. There were no role models of how men and women talk to each other with ways that bring in this aspect of respect, of showing up as your best self. The default is just to show up however I am in the moment and that that would be good enough because this is who I am. What you're saying is a little different, that maybe we could stop settling for showing up good enough and practice showing up as our best selves. Good is the enemy of great in everything. And so showing up to be good enough is not good enough. You're shortchanging yourself and you're shortchanging everyone you have communication with. So it's, it's, that's not the way you want to, to so be. This is an area, I, I'm getting it. I mean, this is an area where good enough isn't. If you're not getting everything that you want out of all of your relationships, both at home, at work, kids, whatever, then good enough clearly is not good enough. So I love having this step up piece of show up as my best self in every conversation. Sounds exhausting. <laughs> you know, it is. Like, I just realized what I said. I'm like, wow, I'm tired already. I actually need a nap already. I mean, I get it. No, for real. It is exhausting initially, but just in anything that becomes a habit. You know, you hear the thing about it takes 21 days to create a new habit. It's actually like six months to really work on something. But as you give yourself credit and you feel good, like, wow, I didn't expect that conversation to go so well. I didn't expect that client to buy so much. I didn't expect this. You're like, wow, this stuff works. And, and this, is, this plays into it a little bit. Warren Buffett has done a lot of human studies on people. And he talks about, do you have an inner scorecard or an outer scorecard inside you? And this is really critical in making everything better in your life. And a good way to say that is, would you... Okay, Jackie, would you like to be the best parent in the world and have everyone think you're the worst? Or would you rather be the worst parent in the world and have everyone think you're the best? Ooh, boy, now that's an either or concept that clarifies. An inner scorecard means that I choose to be the best and I don't care what anybody else thinks I am. And the outer scorecard is... I care what everybody else thinks I am more than I care how I show up. Yes. And okay. once you really hone in on that and work on your inner scorecard and going, I know that when I'm being my best, and you know, this plays into everything that you're talking about today and tomorrow, but what you can never outperform your own self-image. So how you feel about yourself is oftentimes the way others will feel about you as well. Yeah, and it's how we treat ourselves and what we tolerate teaches other people how to treat us. And that is so true. It became one of the bedrock teachings in the Suicide Prevention Advocate Training Program is helping people get to know, like, and trust themselves better. And that was really key, a real key concept. Now you have, I'm gonna just bring it up because you have a great 
great gift for everyone. And this is the time for them to know about it. So Katie's going to pop it into, the, there it is. Look at that magic. Okay. So five, top five comparison busters and confidence boosters. And this idea of comparison informs by that outer scorecard you were just talking about. Yes. Yeah. So that's perfect. What a great, great gift. So I really, really love the fact that you were able to bring that and to give that, Anita. That's just amazing. And I just thank you so much for creating that. I am happy to do that and happy to help in any way that I can. I love what I, love what I do. So I love seeing people. I love results. I love seeing people get results and seeing people figure out things and go, wow, this was such an easy little change to make, and it has impacted my life. Do, understanding that doing this will help women make more money, have better relationships, and have more fun, and have the life they want to have. So it's not just a little fun thing to talk about, speaking the way men listen. It impacts every area of your life, even your health, because five minutes of being angry at someone affects the physiology of your body for five hours. So when you start seeing all the impact of the negative conversations and stuff, what it does to you, um, you start, it start make, making a difference. You, you are willing to do some of the exhausting work, as you mentioned before, when we both need a nap from this. Um, <laughs> you're, willing, you're willing to do that because it's so powerful. It's so powerful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Results rule for in my brain. If, if you know, the, the, the inch by inch thing is not my style. So I want to see results right out of the gate. That's why I never became a coach. I became a consultant and you know, I do things that, that move fast because that's what my brain requires. So I love the fact that these are actionable immediately and that we will see results immediately is what it sounds like. So huge results and it, it's such a surprise to, to people when I tell them some little something to do and they think, Okay, fine, I'll do it. And then go, wow, I had no idea that he would say that to me when I said this, that that little thing made such a difference. So it's fun for me because it, it's not rocket science. It's a lot of work to learn everything that I've learned for many, many years and to have all the experiences and, you know, all the years of studying to be a coach and all of that. But it's so simple to teach it and to help people with it now. We are so grateful that you figured out the simple way to teach this because I think I got more out of this conversation than I have out of all of the couples coaching that I did with my um, former husbands. You know, um, it's amazing and so, so needed. So thank you, Anita, for showing up and sharing with our audience. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I love the work that you're doing. So grateful for what you do. Thank you. Thank you.